0: Um, out there, one of the point churches, um, in Aberdeer, Wales. Um, So that's where we've been for the last two years. Um, My wife, Melissa, um, beautiful woman, way out of my league. I always say, if you want proof of God is real, look at me and look at my wife, and it's right there. (laughs) There ain't no question about it. (laughs) And so we've just had our first child as well. Her name's Ella, um, and she's about seven months now. So we're just loving being parents and still in the whole exciting season of that um so that's a little bit of a background on kind of where we're at um yeah we're just trying to do what we can out there impact for the kingdom and just meet the community where they're at and so it's going really well we're excited um we do love coming back and visiting and seeing people though and it's uh definitely two different cultures we so feel like I get the best of both worlds now coming back and forth um and so um just i guess to go a bit more into detail kind of just before i launch into the word is um when we first moved to the to Wales, um, it was after about a month of being there. Um, I got into a really bad car accident. Um, completely shattered my leg, um, broke like, multiple bones. I was in a hospital on bed rest for it was almost about a year. Um, so you know, washcloth baths, peeing in jugs. You know, just the whole nine, man. It was it was all it was all glorious. <laughs> um, and so. Um, when I was going through that that whole that whole process and everything um it's kind of what I wanted to speak on this morning it's just like the responsibility we have with our relationship with God um that you know God gives us everything, but he doesn't do everything for us um, and I remember when I got into my accident, I remember thinking, well, the benefit is you know I have tons of time to read and pray and watch a bunch of sermons, and do all this stuff, right? And I think about two months into it, I found myself watching Netflix, playing Xbox, you know, and just sitting there being like, man, I have so much time, but where is my time going? Like, I thought I'd, I thought I'd be knocking it out of the park, you know, I have a degree in theology by the end of the first month, so much time to hang out. Um, and I just felt kind of God just speak to me about this whole thing of, of when we have a relationship with him, it's, it's, it's a responsibility, that we have, um, that we have to care for it, we have to tend to it, and we have to really take ownership of it. Um, and the first, the first responsibility that Adam got given from God was before he got told not to eat of the tree and everything. He got told, you have everything in the garden. This garden is yours, but you have to tend to it, right? And so, you know, I'm sure you guys have probably the the expression, you know, tend to the garden of your heart. Right, you guys heard that before? Or is that just a British thing? No, you guys are hear cool. Um and I think it is it's a metaphor for kinda of what was going on at the beginning of the Bible, right? As you know, we always it's kind of when you say tend to the garden of, of your heart, it's be nice, right? It's the nice way just to tell someone you're not doing well, get your stuff together, you know, figure it out, right? It's kind of like the gentle way of saying that to people, right? Um, and so sometimes I think God kind of does that with us, where it's like, listen, you need to tend to this because it ain't going well for you, right? And so as I was kind of unpackaging this, I kind of thought, well, God, what's, you know, what's the three basic things, right, that affects our relationship with you? The three things that we, that we are charged with the responsibility. Um, and, you know, and so the three I had was money our prayer life, and self-feeding ourselves in the terms of study and, and, and reading and things like that. So I kind of just want to unpackage that with you guys this morning. Um, I'm someone, when I speak, I love to get super practical. I like to strip things down, take it back to the basics, because um, I think there's enough Christians out in the world over-complicating things, and I don't really like to do that. Um, Denzel Washington, actually. Everyone know Denzel Washington? One of my favorite actors, man, right? With well, as famous and as great as he is, I mean... All the awards he wins, he still attends an acting class, an acting 101 class, once to twice a month, just to remember the foundations of where he came from, so he never loses sight of what he's built everything on. Um, and so kind of, that's kind of what I want to get to with you guys today, I just want to strip it all back, let's get practical, let's have some fun, um, and let's just kind of jump into it. If you guys want to open up your Bibles to Malachi um, 3, we're going to just start with money real quick, because I know that's everyone's favorite subject to talk about. Let me know when you guys are there. It's hard to tell with people with their iPads and phones these days. You know, you, can, you can't really hear the scrolling on the phone. Well, you can, it's before you could hear the turning of the pages. All right. I'm going to start in verse 7. All right. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and you, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask... How are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You are a curse, you are a whole nation, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it, and this has kind of been like a big core verse for for our church. It's kind of what we've based our whole like tithe off. And um, the key phrase we've started using is, "You bring your tithe, right? You don't get to give it because it's not yours, right? Your tithe, your ten percent, belongs to God. And yes, your ten percent is before taxes." Right, you have to. You don't get to look at your take home and then tithe off that. You tithe off the whole check, right? And it's the only thing that God in the Bible says to test him. In. He says, "Test me in this," right? And a lot of people have the argument of, "Well, it was the old covenant, you know. Blah, 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 the, it was under the law. The tithing was before the law, during the law, and after the law," right? Um, and so. When when we look at this, you know, it's it's the tithe belongs to God, right? But to me, I believe if you are someone who is a true relationship with God and you truly have submitted everything to him, right, your your 100% is still God's because you allow him to speak to you and how to steward and how to invest it, right? Um, And, you know, I kind of shared this with um, this bit with our body a couple weeks ago, and I remember saying... Um, you know, it's, it's more than just dropping money in a bucket, right? There's the practical application of that. If you've got to invest into your local body cause you have to invest in what they're trying to do for the kingdom, right? There's the practical aspect of that. Um, but we have a, we have a lady in our church and she loves hot chocolate, right? But we've got like a bunch of kids that are like five years old and they love hot chocolate. They're not the best at carrying cups with hot fluids in it, right? It's just, it just—it doesn't really work out. So we took the hot chocolate away, right? And so there was this lady that every week she came. She doesn't like coffee. She doesn't like tea. She doesn't like anything. She just loves her hot chocolate. Um, and I remember thinking, man, if I if I want to invest into the kingdom and I want to invest into the people, right? It's more than just putting money in a tithe and an offering, you know. And so we started just like you know, I bought a bunch of special pods with our little cure egg machine that we have, right? Just for her. And so when she comes in, I give her one. I say, here you go, have a hot chocolate this morning. Um and I remember God saying that's what investment and stewardship of our money looks like, right? As it's we start to invest just not into the kingdom, but into the people of the kingdom as well. Right. And if you want to know um the value someone has on the kingdom, just look at where they put their money. Because it's true wherever you put your money speaks about where your heart is at, right? If you love to video game, then you've probably got a lot of video games, right? And probably very few cooking accessories or whatever you want to say, right? And if you love to cook, you probably don't have any video games, right? But it's because it's where you invest your money because it's where your heart is, right? And so for me, it's something I've really tried to step my game up in this year. is just making sure that everything about me just shows that I'm investing into the kingdom, Right, That I want to invest into what God's doing, just not in, in our church, and just not in my life, but in the people's lives around me. I want to take it that step further, that I start to resemble what true love looks like. Right, I want to resemble the relationship I have with God in my private time towards everyone else. The love that He shows me is the love I need to show everyone else. And it's all just to do with investment. Um, and so, when we first moved to the UK... um. I remember we were we sold our house and then we had all this furniture, right? And we had we had some pretty nice stuff and we you know we had some just normal stuff as well. So I remember looking at some and being like, Yes, I'm gonna make some money here. Like we're gonna pay for my flights, go out for a nice steak dinner after we sell all this, it's gonna be great. And my wife came up to me and she was like, I really feel like we should just sew it all. And so I looked at her and said, I really feel like you should stop talking right now. <laughs> Cause that's my steak dinner. Like, don't mess with my food. And all you know, just don't do it, please. Um, and so we just ended up sewing into it. We had a bunch of young couples in the church getting married at that time, and so we just sewed into every young couple that we could find that had just been married or were about to get married, and we just blessed them with everything. We said, look, just take it. We want to sew into you, sow into your marriage. Um, and I remember sitting there thinking, man, like a good chunk of that money was going to be to set up furniture for ourselves when we moved to the U.K. Um, and so I remember being like, all right, God, whatever, you know, you got to do it, or well, my wife has to do it because it was her idea. So someone, someone other than me is going to take care of this problem, right? Um, <laughs> and so we moved. I got in my accident, and I remember I was laying in the hospital bed. I was like, man, we've been living with friends for like three weeks. You know, we don't have a place to stay. We don't have any couches. I don't have a TV, you know, like I can't like I'm I'm in bed and I ain't getting out of bed anytime soon. So I can't even work. My wife can't work. She didn't have her visa yet. And I was just like, what are we going to do? Right. And right when I was sitting in the hospital, God just reminded me of this is why you sow because you always reap. Right. And we ended up finding someone who gave us a um, non-commitment contract and just said, look, just move in. We know you need some help. We've heard about you. Um, and what's going on. So just like we have this flat, we lived above a funeral parlor, which was really interesting because some mornings you wake up and you just hear the organ going and people singing below us. I was like, this is an experience, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) so we ended up getting like a nice little apartment and then my wife and, uh, just went searching everywhere for like furniture and stuff. And she ended up finding basically furniture that someone had just bought and then got rid of like two weeks later. Like, it was, like, brand new stuff, right? And so we kitted out our entire house for, I think, the total came to, like, 650 pounds, right? That's couches, TVs, entertainment stands, like, bookshelves, like, everything for that price. I remember sitting there and just being, like, when we invest into the people, God honors that, right? Because if we're all his sons and daughters and we take care of each other, and God will always honor that, and he'll always take care of us, right? And that, to me, is part of the responsibility of he gives us everything, but sometimes we've got to do something with the things that he gives us, right? Um, we're going to move on to number two, prayer. Um, if you guys want to flip to Matthew 6, it's just the next book over. Um Prayer to me is, um, it's a lot more than like sitting down with a checklist, right? It's a lot more than me just coming to God and just kind of whining about my day, right? We're just going to be real, guys. I love to be real. You know, we all do it. I still do it all the time. That <laughs> God, of sucks. Help me, <laughs> right? And then I'm like, all right, I feel better. And then I just leave, right? Kind of check out. Don't, don't really continue it on, right? Prayer is not meant to be like that, right? Prayer is a conversation, right, that we're supposed to have with God, right? And so if we guys, Matthew 6, we're going to start in verse 5. It says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room My favorite bit of that is do not keep on babbling like the pagans, right? Only because I've been in those places and those tough times where I just go on and on and on and on and on and on and on, and on right? And I can just imagine like so I like to think like I like when I pray, like I'm I try to imagine like I'm sitting. Actually sitting with God, right? And so, like, I have this whole, like, picture in my head of, like, his facial reactions, like, his body reactions to things I say, like, you idiot. Oh, good job. You know what I mean? Like, I I play this whole scenario out in my head, right? And I remember reading that and just being like, man, I bet if he sat across from me, he'd just be like, shut up. Just shut up. Like, I had an answer for you, like, 15 minutes ago, but you would not stop talking, right? (laughs) Um, And so... That's how we have to approach our prayer life though, right? We have to approach it like we are sitting with him face to face. Right? And um I use this I've used this analogy before of like if I say I met with Matt, right? And I came to Matt and I went I had a list of questions. Hey Matt, how was work? Good. Oh, okay, cool. Um how's family? Good, good, awesome. Uh how's this? Yep, great, good. Alright, cool. Thanks, great seeing you. Bye. <laughs> right? That's not really a relationship, is it? And would sit there and be like, I ain't ever going to meet with this guy again. Like, I, he asked me a list of questions and then just left, right? But that's what we do to God all the time, right? Is we just come to him with just lists of problems and lists of things that we need, right? And then we just check out, right? Rather than just sitting with our Father and just being like, God, you know, today wasn't a great day for me, but you know what? Like, I've been frustrated and I've been angry, but I know it's all going to be okay. But I just wanted to let you know how I was feeling. Because if you're truly my father, then I should be able to really come and talk to you like a father. Right? I should be able to just sit here and just tell you. And I think Christians sometimes are afraid to come to God with all of their emotions. Right? Because they feel like they're going to get judged. Or they feel bad for being angry. Right? Or they feel bad for being, like, upset and bitter and, and things like that. Right? The healthiest thing you can do as a Christian is if you're angry and frustrated and bitter is to tell God you're angry, frustrated, and bitter, right? But then you do have a responsibility to deal with the emotions of that. You can't live in that place, right? You can't stay in that in that space of life. You have to be, you know, I've done this so many times. God, I'm angry. Like I'm almost verging on the, on the point of anger with you at this point, you know? Like, I'm stressed. I'm frustrated, you know? But I know it's not, I know you have better plans than this. And I know you're such a faithful God and you always come through, right? And you find yourself as you could start like that. And by the end, you come out so refreshed and you come out filled with faith because you start to remember who God is and what he's done in your life. All of these things, you go through the Psalms. David did it all the time, you know. There's um, one of the Psalms, he says, I'm a worm. People trample on me. You've got to be in a low place to call yourself a worm. Like, I live in the mud and under the the ground, right? But then at the end of it, he starts talking about how all the nations will bow their knee before him because of how good of a God he is, right? There's something free, and when we understand that prayer isn't a checklist, and it's not this this thing that we just come and just list off things and just, you know, oh, God, bless this person, bless this person, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless this person, bless this person. Uh, Okay, amen, thank you, bye. Right? We got to get in a quiet place, and sometimes we do. We just got to shut up. And we just got to sit there with God and be like, God, just speak to me. Like, I just want to spend time with you. And you just sit in silence, you know? I promise you, you will find so much fulfillment in that, right? And I have this interest in, um, I'm kind of a math nerd right? I love numbers, right? And so I probably could have Googled the statistic, right? But I just kind of wanted to do the math, so I had a bit of fun with it, right? Um, but I read this uh, this th- this statistic that says the average Christian spends about 15 minutes a day on average with God, right? And that's over the course of, like, say you spend an hour one day, but you don't do anything for two hours, right? It's an average over a year, right? And so then I kind of got into it a bit more to make sure that it was an actual statistic and not some random one thing, and so uh, but, a lot of, but a lot of them said, on average, it's about 15, maybe. Some of them, I think, went up to 17 minutes a day a Christian spends with God, right? So I did the math on that. And so, in one day, right, you've got 1,440 minutes. If you spend 15 minutes with God, you've only, you've only given him... Sorry, if you spend 15 minutes with God, you're left with 1,425 Right, so you still got a huge chunk of minutes left, right? And so I kind of went through it, broke it down to a week and to a month, right? And a, and then I went to a year. In a year, there's 525,000 thousand, five hundred and twenty-five thousand. We're gonna get there, guys. We're gonna get there, right? I'm a bit jet lagged, if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> it's five hundred and twenty-five hundred twenty-five thousand and six hundred minutes in a year, right? If you spend, on average, 15 minutes a day with God, that's read in, pray in, whatever, right? You've only spent 5,475 minutes with him. Which means, when you break that down, you've only spent three and a half days with God out of 365. Right? Man, can I tell you, I felt so convicted when I did that. Y'all was like, oh, we all got to step it up. Three and a half days, even if you double that, that's still like only a week. Like, that's not good. That's not good, right? Like, I was like, I need to spend like six hours a day. I got to correct it. I, we got to make it right. We got to make it right. Um, And so but when we think about it, right, if you spent three, let's say, right, I spent three and a half days with you out of a year. Let's just be real, right? None of you would trust me. You wouldn't. If we sat down, you wouldn't open up to me about the things in your heart. You wouldn't tell me what's going on in your family. You wouldn't tell me the things that you're struggling with, the things that you know, you're really, really succeeding and hoping for, your dreams and desires. You wouldn't tell me any of that. Because over the course of 365 days, we've spent three and a half days together. Right? But we expect to have this super close relationship with God when in reality, we're not giving him the time. We're not stewarding our relationship. Well, we're not taking on the responsibility that he's, kind of, that he's given to us. And that's just to hang out with him, right? It should, be, it should be the easiest bit of it, really. You know, it doesn't require, like, hard work. It just requires setting aside some time and just hanging out, reading, praying, getting to know him, right? You guys ever hear of um, Florence Chadwick? Florence Chadwick was... Um, She was the first female swimmer, right, um, to swim the English Channel forward and backwards, right? And being the determined woman she obviously was, she decided that she wanted to swim from the Catalina Islands to the coast of California, okay? So she spends months training, right? And so she's put in all this work, and she's training, she's training, she's training, she's training. And so she, she walks into the... I think she actually yeah, started in the Catalina Island. So she walks into the shore and she starts going, right? And I think I, think I said it was like an 18-hour, sorry, 15-hour swim, right? Just one way. And so she gets in and on this particular day, it's really, really heavy fog, right? So you can't really see more than a couple feet in front of you, right? So she gets in and they got all these boats around her because of sharks and stuff just to kind of help her and her trainer and her mother, um, are, are, in the, are in the boat next to her, right? So she's going, and I think they say, you know, she she starts getting there, and you know, she's like, I can't do this, pull me out. And her trainer says, No, you're almost there, keep going. So she goes for a bit longer. She's like, I can't do this, pull me out. The trainer's like, No, 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 just keep going, just keep going, just keep going, right? And her mother's standing there, being a mother. If you can't do it, get out. Don't kill yourself. Don't hurt yourself. Don't push too hard, right? And so her mother's there, being a mother. Which, thank God for mothers, because we need that sometimes, right? Um, and, so, but, and she's like, oh, fine, I'll go a bit further. So she goes a bit f- further, and then eventually she just stops. And she's like, I'm done. I cannot do it. Pull me out of the water. I see, as they pulled her out of the water, right, so she looked up, and the fog started to clear, and she was a mile away from shore. Right. And so in an interview, she after the interview, she said, look, I don't want to make excuses for myself. And there's no excuse for for not for not finishing. But had I seen the shore and had I listened to my trainer, I believe I would have made it. Right. So what she did that day, she took a picture of the shoreline and then she told her mom to go away, said, I need you. But for this, I don't get away from me. Right. And she said she went back to training. And she said she did nothing but spend time with her trainer and spend time just listening to everything he said. Didn't question it, didn't argue with it, even if she didn't agree with it or couldn't see what the benefit was. She just paid attention and just did and was just obedient, right? Two months later, she gets back in. She does it again. This time, she completes it. Woo! Right? Um, So she she completes it. And then, I think it was like two years later, right, she ended up going to do it again, but she went there and back, right? And she says she credits it to this. She said, the reason I, I was able to complete it the second time is because I just listened. And I stopped trying to do it on my own, and I stopped arguing, and I stopped trying to rationalize everything my trainer would tell me. She's like, I just shut my mouth, and I just listened, and I just went for it. And she said it was one of the easiest swims of her life. Because she just took time to spend time with her trainer. Right? Just listened to what the trainer said. And we have to mimic that in our relationship with God. Right? If we want to be more like God, more like Jesus, and we got to spend time with him. we got to get to really know him. Right? Even when it doesn't make sense. And you think what the heck like this is so uh, this is so bizarre this is so opposite of logical thinking right it's only a good sign it's the right thing to do right <laughs> is when it don't make sense to you um but it's like we we expect to be able to do all these great things in our lives right when on a, on the average christian spends three and a half days a year with the guy that they're trying to do stuff for right it don't make sense when you break it down like that does it like, you think, what the heck? You know, if you've met with me three and a half days and I asked you to do something, you'd be like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, what? I don't know you like that. We're not friends. We're acquaintances. Like, you know, but it's, but it's, but it is. It's, 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 it's how, it's how we treat it. Right. And we got to get back just to the basic application of just making time to spend with God, get to know him. And once we get to know him, we get to know ourselves. And once we get to know our true identity, we get to know God. So it goes hand in hand, right? It's a two-way street. All right, I'm running out of time here. Number three, self feeding. This is the fun one, right? This is this. I'll be honest with you guys, right? This one isn't my thing, right? I've had this. Is, this one's been like the discipline one for me, right? Every, everything we look at here, one of these is going to be, like, super easy for you. One of these is going to be super difficult because it's going to go against, like, your nature, right? I'm not an academic guy, minus math. I like math because there's one, there's one way to get the answer, and there's only one answer, right? I failed English, right, because it was so open to interpretation, and my English teacher just didn't agree with my interpretations or my opinions, right? So I didn't do well, so I just was like, I hate this. Just give me math. It's so simple. There's only one answer, and you can't tell me if you like me or not, whether I'm right or wrong, right? It's just that's what it is, right? But this is the reading and study, right? And we can't be people that just rely on Sundays and, like, life groups and midweek meetings to get us through our walk with God, right? We can't do that, right? Because you'll constantly be you'll constantly be running on fumes. You'll be that person that never fills their gas tank. Every time they go to the station, they put five bucks in. You know, you stop every day to put five bucks in. It's like you could just put the whole 30 in and, you know, go for a couple days, right? But you will. You become that person that's constantly stopping, and you can't get momentum because you're running on fumes because you're not feeding yourself. You're not feeding who you are, right? You're not studying about the identity that you have in Christ. Um, Romans 10. You guys want to flip there? You guys there? Sweet. All right. Romans ten verse two, right? It says for I can testify about them that they are the they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge, since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. And I just kind of wanted just to bring that up because to me that is. Almost the whole point of self-feeding, right, is you can be the most on-fire and zealous person for God. But if you don't know why and you don't know who you are and you don't know the things that God's trying to accomplish and what his word says, right, it's pointless. You know, you're just someone that's really good at hyping people up, right? You're just an excited person at that point, right? But we find that a lot, right? People come in, they're they're jumping, they're dancing, they're clapping, you know. And they just they they want to do everything. They want to serve everywhere. And you people look at them and think, "Oh, you're so on fire for God." But then you ask them, like, "What's your favorite scripture?" And they're like, "Uh, you know, what's your favorite book?" Uh, right. It's because they don't spend time knowing who they are. They don't spend time feeding their soul. Right? Because it, it when it's true. Right. And I've done this so many times. Right. I'm a I'm one of those guys. Right. That I never like not i don't like being wrong right and so if you ask yeah if you ask me a question and i'm a lot better now now i just tell people i don't know right but i used to be that guy that you'd tell me you'd ask me a question i go well let me tell you about that real quick right and i would just speak with the utmost confidence right and about 98 percent of the time i'd get away with it right And i was in this one situation once and someone asked me a question And I went, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me tell you about that real quick. And I went on this, like, five, ten-minute spiel, right? And this guy just looked at me and went, you're full of it. (laughs) I just was like, uh, uh, what do you mean? How do you know? You asked me the question. And he's like, I don't know the answer, but I know enough about this particular thing to know that half the stuff you just said totally contradicts the idea of the thing I just asked you about. And I just was like, ooh, I've been caught, right? But that to me, it's like the perfect example of what having zeal without knowledge is, right? Just because you can be confident in things doesn't mean you know what you're talking about, right? And we have to understand what the Word says. We have to understand when God gives us a revelation, we have to have the maturity to understand a revelation is a responsibility and we have to unpackage it, Right? Like, when God gives me a revelation, it doesn't, it's not like, oh, that was a lovely thought. I'm so glad I can look at it through this new lens, right? I've got a responsibility to find out, well, where in the Word does it talk about this, right? What books can I get to dig in deeper, to unpackage what this actually means, right? Because a revelation isn't for me. Sometimes, right? We all have personal revelations and things like that. Hear me right. But when God gives me a revelation... Right, or my wife a revelation, or someone in our church a revelation. Right, I always look at them and say, "You have that because God's going to use you to help someone somewhere along the way." Right, but you've got to know about it, otherwise you can't help them. Right, so you've got to dig in. Right, you got to spend time looking it up, going through concordances, reading books, listening to podcasts. Right do all this stuff and sometimes it's painful right times I've sat there and like fallen asleep in a podcast and I'm trying to study right it's called be real right I'll just pass out because I'm just like it's so boring right but it's a discipline that we have to have in our lives right and if it wasn't a discipline and this is why I believe it this this aspect for me is something I have to focus on it because I th- I, th- I truly believe I'd start to devalue the revelation that I get I'd start to take it for granted, right? I'd start to probably mishandle it, right? Not use it right, not use it the way God wanted me to use it. Um, How many... I feel like there's a lot of people with kids in here. I saw the kids' class when we went outside. Wow! (laughs) Wow! Right, all right, so this part will make a lot of sense to you, right <laughs> right, so i I heard this thing once, right um I'll be honest right, I'm stealing this illustration, completely honest, right? I'm stealing this illustration, um and this guy was, he was talking about self feeding and and the responsibility that comes with it, right, and he started talking about if you if you have a kid or a pet. Right, I'm gonna branch out the pets as well now, right? Because someone has the whole children's church here. <laughs> um, you have a responsibility, right? And it adds to your life, and it brings joy, you know. It brings companionship, or whatever, however you want to view it, right? Um, but with it comes a responsibility, right? When you have a child or or a pet, you can't expect it to feed itself. You have to feed it. You know, please feed your kids, right? If this is revelation to you, please talk to me afterwards because I really, really want to help you if you haven't been feeding your kids, (laughs) right? But you have to feed it, right? You got to clean its diapers, you got to pick the stuff up out of the yard, right? You got to take it on walks, right? That goes for kids and dogs, right? You got to take them on walks to burn the energy out, right? You have all of this stuff, but it becomes a joy because you see the growth in them, right? And that's how we have to view our spiritual walk with God, right? Is we have to feed it. We've got to clean it, right? Sometimes we've got to we burn the energy off, right? And we, we have to take care of it. Right? It's a responsibility, and we use the word responsibility, and it sounds heavy. You know, it does. It sounds like, oh, it just sounds like another thing you got to do, right? But just like a kid or a pet, you don't feel that about your kids or pets. Well, maybe your kids sometimes, depending on the temperament of the child, right? But there's something in you that loves the child, right? There is. You love the child. <laughs> Please love your children. <laughs> um, but you, got, you have to feed, Yourselves, right? It's so, so important, right? Because the moment you stop feeding yourself is the moment you start to unfamiliarize yourself with God. And the moment you start to unfamiliarize yourself with God, who, who is our identity, you start to slip into old habits and old patterns before you got born again, right? Your political views will change, Right? Things that were haven't been a struggle for years, all of a sudden are a struggle again. You know, the way you deal with people. You know? This is how I know if I'm not in a healthy place, right? I have a natural bent, you know, And I played a lot of like aggressive sports, right? Rugby, wrestling, all, all of it, right? So I have a I have an aggressive nature. Right. And it's not a bad thing. It's not. If if I if I control it and handle it right, right? It's good. It's tenacity. Right? It's motivation. It's I'm someone that can just go with it, right? I know when I'm becoming unhealthy because the way I start to deal with people becomes aggressive and angry, right? And not in love, right? And in those moments, I think, oh no, I've got to familiarize myself with my father. I got to get back with him. I can't let myself slip, right? And for lots of you, it will look a whole lot different than that. You know, depression. You know, that's a big thing, right? If you find yourself getting depressed, let me tell you what. It's probably because you're not spending enough time with God. Because there's no depression in the kingdom. There's not. You know, it's joy. Right? And we, and you ha, you can't let yourself slip. Because the moment you unfamiliarize yourself with God is the moment you start to unfamiliarize yourself with yourself. And that's dangerous. Right? You can't let yourself slip into that pattern. Um, so... I'm gonna wrap up, but I just kinda wanna just leave you guys with with a challenge, right? If that's okay. Um, you know, the most important thing to me is you have to create a quiet place. Right? And so for me, you know, I went I'm a bit of an extreme person, right? Um so for me I actually bought a gazebo and put it in my garden, right? But that's my quiet place. Because if I'm in the house, I know myself way too well. Xbox, Netflix, and I start talking to my wife, I'm hanging out with the baby, right? Then I'm on my phone, right? And I just, I'm fixing things. There's like a million things to do around the house, right? I just get so distracted, right? Now, my wife, she can sit in the living room. She lights a candle and she's in heaven, right? She's in peace. For me, that don't work. I have to create a quiet place for myself. Right. I had to create a room that I could just go away and just know that there's no distractions. And every time I go there now it's like something in me excuse me, something in me just all of a sudden just settles straight away. And I find myself in peace. Right. No matter what's been going on, I could have the most craziest day ever. Super stressed. And the moment I step in there, I'm just like Man. And it's because I've trained myself to know whenever I go in this place, it's a place of peace. It's a place where the presence is, and it's a place where I'm just going to hang out with my father uninterrupted and, and not distracted, right? It's so important that you guys make a place, right? And it's, the car don't count unless you like to sit in your car in the driveway. Then maybe that counts, right? But there's too many times I hear people go, oh, I pray all the time on my drive to work. Great. I'm not telling you to stop doing that, right? But you've got so much going on. You've got to focus on driving and stuff. You don't really settle yourself, and you're not still with God. Right, So I really want to challenge you guys to create a quiet place. right? And then in that quiet place, right, just think about what it would look like if you doubled your daily time that you spend with God. So if it's 15 minutes, make it 30. If it's 30, make it an hour. right? If it's an hour, make it two hours. If it's two hours, come talk to me. I want to know how you manage your life. Because where you find two hours in the day, man, I, I, want, to, I want to know your secret, right? But you guys get where I'm going with that, right? And if if that seems too much, just do fifty percent. So if you're only spending, you know, seven and a half minutes, do fifteen. Right? If you're only doing fifteen, what's that work out to like twenty three and something? I don't know, maybe, right? I'm not gonna do that math in my head real quick. Right? But just but just do that, right? Just for a week, right? Don't make this crazy you know, um, promise to yourself, for the next year I'm spending two hours a day, right? Because I know your heart's pure in it, but it ain't going to last. If, you've, if you're doing 15 minutes, you can't switch to two hours in a day like that and expect, you know, to hit it on track, right? You got to build yourself into it, right? So don't don't go crazy with, like, doubling your time or anything, but do something that you know is manageable, and it's going to be inconvenient, and it's going to be uncomfortable. And in that time, spend five minutes praying in tongues, Nothing else. Just pray in tongues for one week. And I promise you, the difference that you'll see in your attitude and, and your thinking and your rational thinking, right, and the way you deal with people will completely be transformed, right? And to me, it's because it's all you've started to take on the responsibility that you've been given to do something for the kingdom. All right, so can I just pray real quick? Is that all right with you guys?